Welcome on in. It's your boy KV coming at you from my Soul Renegade Sound Studios here in Minneapolis. I'm welcoming you to the Ken Valdez Approach. My friends, I have an exquisite guest for you this week. Her name is Britt Lightning. Now, I had heard of Britt several years back from my dear friend Rachel Ryan. Rachel is the drummer for the all-female Guns N' Roses tribute act, Paradise Kitty. They're just blowing up. Now, I had heard about Britt from Rachel because Britt was playing guitar in Paradise Kitty. Fast forward a few months later, and I meet Britt while she is attending flight attendant school here in Minneapolis. And I thought that in and of itself was just fascinating because I've never known anybody to go to flight attendant school, let alone this world-class guitar player. Right. I mean, she's worked with international superstars like Alejandro Sanz, among many others. Her story is just fascinating. So we're going to be talking about her upbringing. We're going to be talking about her her quest to the guitar and to uh, these amazing stages. Also, we're going to be talking about the fact that she is one of the heads of the rock and roll fantasy camp and how she got the gig, which she still holds, a vixen. The all-female, probably one of the most well-respected all-female rock and roll bands of all time. So just get, get cozy, get comfy, have a drink, enjoy this conversation with the lovely, talented Brit Lightning here on The Approach. Hey, hey, well, I am here with Brit Lightning, a vixen. Brit, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. What's been going on with you the last, uh, gosh, since I've seen you last? It's been a few years, it seems like. It's been a few years for sure. Um, Let's see, lots going on. Still living in California and Los Angeles. Uh, Still playing with Vixen. I'm actually going into the studio tomorrow to record guitars on our new single. Nice. Um, So very excited about that. And we are back to a good, healthy tour schedule. We're out pretty much every weekend for the entire summer. Uh, This weekend, we're headed out to... Chicago to the Arcata Theater, which is one of my favorite venues to play. It's actually I love that place. Yes, yeah, it's such a cool venue. And then uh, up to Oroville, uh, California, Northern California. Um, And then, in addition to that, I've been working with Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp as a musical director and helping to run the camps. And uh, we finished our sixth camp in five months uh, in May since January um, this year, and they were all very amazing. Uh, The last camp we did was our our first ever women-only rock camp. So we had all women counselors, all women artists, all women attendees, and it was all women photographers. It was very cool, Um, and that was with Melissa Etheridge and Nancy Wilson and um, (laughs) Kathy Valentine and Orianthe, so that was a blast. And uh, now we're taking the summer off of the camps and planning uh, upcoming camps for the fall. And actually, we just announced one a couple days ago. We're doing a Beatles versus the Rolling Stones themed camp in uh, (laughs) City in November. So that's uh, the first one on the books. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. So we're definitely going to be touching on on all of that because I'm fascinated with just that whole thing. Right. It's been going on for years. And just to know that you are 
kind of, you know, the head honcho over there is that's something. That is really something. <laughs> but, you know, I just want to get to know you a little bit, right? So all these years and, and all the stories and all the tours and everything else, who are you? Who is, <laughs> who, is Br- who is Brit Lightning? Tell me about Brit Lightning. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, gee, that's, uh, hmm, what do you want to know exactly? <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Tell me about your childhood. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where were, so where are you from originally? Uh, so I'm from Boston, okay. and uh, I played the flute. I started playing guitar in high school, right before high school. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to a... Um, a, a private Catholic school that did not have arts or music programs. Um, So that was challenging, but they had a little guitar club that one teacher held his room open for after school and all these kids would kind of just get together and play Metallica. So I got involved in that (laughs) and that really helped me start playing guitar. I got into Van Halen. Van Halen's what got me into guitar, hearing eruption um, over a radio. It blew my mind and I hadn't heard anything like it because I really listened to like 90s hip-hop and stuff before that and so I was <laughs> right. like, what, what is this I never heard this uh I didn't have any older brothers or anything to influence me to get into rock and roll so uh that's what did it um after hearing that I bought all the Van Halen albums and then really with the, the guitar club uh got into playing Metallica and Megadeth and, and Pantera and some of the heavier stuff and nice. uh then I formed um so uh, then we started this coffee house thing where we would play in our cafeteria uh, once a month. And so then I had a little band that kind of did covers um, and my sister played drums in it. Um, but then uh, let's see, then I decided really quickly just from playing in my bedroom that I needed a half stack. Like the practice amp wasn't big enough. For my bedroom. I was like, we need to, we need an upgrade here. If I'm going to be playing Metallica, I need a real amp. So, oh my gosh, I was, I bought a, um, uh, head. I bought a PV triple X that I still have that head. I always like that head. Yeah. And, um, when I was testing out amps, uh, this, it was a store called daddy's junkie music. I don't know if you remember that store guitar center bottom out, but there was like more of a new England chain. Yes. Yes, it was them, and, and if I remember correctly, on this side of uh, of the river, it was Mars. Mars, I was just going to say Mars music. Yes, right. I had that too. Um, so anyways, I, uh, I was testing out amps there, and the store manager came over and heard me playing Metallica, and he had a band that was kind of Metallica style and was like, we just lost our guitar player, and we have a tour coming up. Do you want to join our band? Nice. And I'm just like... 17 high school or something and I was like yep and then I went home and told my mom I was going going on a two-week tour in a van DIY with a bunch of older guys and uh <laughs> how did that <laughs> and fly so I, 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 I went uh, somehow I was allowed out of the house but it was awesome. and so that was my first tour so bottom line is my parents are very supportive and amazing people um and I did that for a little while and uh No, and I just clearly remember you know playing the furthest we went on that tour was Baltimore you know from Boston and um I just remember being there, like, in the city. People, like, I didn't know. Nobody telling me what to do or where to go. And I, I just felt all this freedom. And I just played a show. And people said I was good. And I, before that, I hadn't played in a club before, you know. So I didn't know if I really was good. My parents and my friends said I was good. But you never know. And I was like, wow, maybe I can really do this. So then I just had the bug. And then I came back and I uh, started um, an all-female rock band called jaded it was like a hard rock metal band and um and i got my sister to play bass in that band even though she was a drummer because i couldn't find a female bass player um and i had a great drummer friend so i did that for a while played 
all over. And um, again, my parents were so supportive. They would, you know, cause we were still underage, you know, we were still had the X's on our hands and, you know, so, and my, my dad, once my younger sister, she's two years younger than me joined the band. They were like, we're definitely going to every show. Like we're not having, you know, 15 year old Abby and, you know, and <laughs> no. so my mom ended up selling the t-shirts and my dad was like a roadie. And so I really got into touring stuff uh, that way, but it was fun. Cause it, we had fun as a family doing it. I, and it got my parents out of the house. Like, you know, they would never go to rock clubs ever. They weren't into rock music at all. So um, I gave them an adventure too. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then after that, basically, you know, just started, um, it was difficult to keep an original band going and we had lead singer problems. They were always changing and it was so annoying. And then after the last lead singer was kind of not working out, I, I was frustrated and my friend said, you know, you should really just start auditioning to be a guitar for hire, you know, like then all you have to worry about is plugging in and playing. And I was like, it never occurred to me. I didn't even really know that was a thing. So he said, you know, Lady Gaga has an open call in New York. She's replacing her whole band next weekend. You should go. So I oh, went Wow. and uh, I came really close. I auditioned with her for a few days um, and I was one of the finalists. And then the very end was between me and this one other guy. And she went with the other guy. However, that was really the one main audition I did. And then from that, I kind of got all my other gigs. So it was all kind of word of mouth. So um, even though that didn't work out, it was a positive thing. And then I started playing with Alejandro Sanz. Um, right. That's interesting right there. That yeah. one is just, that's, I, when I saw that, and I mean, that, that kind of made my head spin a little bit. That yeah. came from the Lady Gaga audition. Really? Yeah. Yep. God, how old were you at this point? uh 20s early 20s man man at that point like how long have you been playing well i started when i was like 15 15 16 so yeah you you were just you were just going you like once you picked up the guitar it was it was that was it I was very determined. I really loved playing and just became obsessed with practicing. I wish I still was obsessed with practicing, but I'm not. <laughs> no, but you know, I would lock myself in my room for like eight hours a day and that's all I wanted to do. And so that, you know, worked out. <laughs> that's awesome though. Oh, good for you. What was, what was home life like? What was it like growing up in Boston with you, with your family? Oh man, I grew up on a, a farm, a horse farm. Um, and I was really into horses. I was big into, uh, riding and, uh, hunter jumper eventing. And that's kind of what I thought I was going to do until I, um, discovered guitar. And then I ran into a conflict when I started gigging out, uh, because the horse shows were very early Sunday morning and the gigs were very late Saturday night. And I was really having trouble juggling both at the same time. So this is a horrible kind of story. Uh, it sounds a little heartless, but it was for the right reasons. But I ended up selling my guitar and take, I mean, selling my horse, sorry, selling my horse <laughs> and taking that money and buying my first custom Jackson guitar. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, but no, I grew up on a farm and, you know, so I always had a good work ethic and, you know, my, my parents are amazing people. And so, um, you know, I always, uh, you know, I wanted to go to Berkeley growing up in Boston um, for Berkeley school of music, you know, I had yeah, friends that went there and, um, and I was playing in bands with friends that had graduated for Berkeley. And when I told my parents, I wanted to go to, uh, Berkeley, my dad was like, 
wait a minute, I don't get it. You know, John graduated from Berkeley and he's working at Starbucks and James graduated from Berkeley <laughs> right. and he's giving guitar lessons. He's like, I don't get it. I don't think you're going to Berkeley. He's like, Santana didn't go to Berkeley. Jimi Hendrix didn't go to Berkeley. If you're going to be a rock star, I think you just figure that out on your own. And so uh, he convinced me to go for uh, business and have kind of a backup plan, which I do think was a good idea, especially during the pandemic when you can't gig out and you need other skills to survive. Um, so I ended up going to Northeastern for music business which was really great and I enjoyed that um yeah so that's a little bit about my home life but my parents were always uh encouraging even though they didn't they didn't actually think I was going to do this for my life uh at all I think they were just being supportive and then it starts out being like supportive cool oh that's good she's getting into music that's good then it goes to um fear <laughs> like oh my god you serious this is what she's gonna do for her work this is not good and then and then there was that moment when i was playing stadiums and they came to see me play in costa rica at a sold out you know football, uh, soccer stadium right, right. Uh, and they were and they were like oh then then they're proud and then they're like see good thing you followed your dreams i'm like yeah but you know you you had your doubts but that's what the parents job is right to look out for your kids because they want the best but um so i'm glad it worked out that way <laughs> yeah no that's that's awesome that you you have that support your story is eerily similar to mine uh there's there's some parallels there especially with the parents freaking out and you know, well, I don't know if music is necessarily the best, you know, place to, to make a living, to make yeah. a career, but damn it, it's fun. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so fun. But yeah, I, so you, God, your resume is incredible. You're still just, I mean, you're, you are so busy. You're one of those, those musicians that continually stays busy i've been following you on on social media and stuff like that and you're you're you know globe trotting and you're you know playing a ton and and you're running the rock and roll fantasy camp and i just kind of find it amazing that you have found a way to make it work for you right because you have had you know kind of odds and ends jobs jobs that like you know i mean let's let's just go here if you couldn't play music, what would you be doing? I think at this point I would want to be in the business, maybe, you know, manage a band. I mean, I love doing the rock camp stuff, even just running those. If I wasn't, I'm involved in the musically too, but even if I wasn't, I enjoy that business aspect. I like, like accomplishing things and I love to be busy. And I've always had jobs um, in addition to playing music because I, I need to be doing something every day. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of weird jobs and one that you know of, like I was a flight attendant. <laughs> I, because at one point I was like, okay, the gigs aren't super steady, but I have them, but I need something else. And as you know, once you go on the road and you have this freedom and you don't have a routine, I'm a, one of those people that I can't be boxed into a routine. It makes me freak out, um, you know, having a set schedule every day and the same thing. It's like Groundhog Day, you know, I can't do it. So, um, uh, you know, I tried working when I moved to LA, actually, I, I worked at Universal and it was very corporate and I had to be at my desk from nine to six. And I was in the, the legal department at Universal Records and uh, it was a cool job and it's what I studied. And I was like, cool, I'm using my degree and I'm in the music biz, but I just I couldn't sit at a desk that long without having the freedom to like, you know, get up and walk around and, you know, work outside on a bench or, you know, I, I was, I felt like 
chained and it was driving me nuts. So, um, yeah, but so one job that I did enjoy though, I was like, what do I like to do? I like to travel. Oh, I'll be a flight attendant. Um, so I did that for a while and that was a blast. Uh, I had to end up giving it up because it conflicted with, um, with uh, my tour schedule when we went to Europe, it was just too many days off and I couldn't, couldn't swing. It was a lot of flying back and forth. Um, But I enjoyed that. Um, Luckily that ended before COVID because I felt really bad for those flight attendants and pilots and stuff that that was kind of stressful. Um, But I do it again. I want to get my pilot's license. That's like a bucket list thing that I would like to do. That's awesome. Really? Yeah, I would love to fly. I would love to fly. I wouldn't be a flight attendant again, but I would get my pilot's license. I would fly commercial and stuff if if I needed a different kind of job. I think that would be fun. Paige and um, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love that. So, um, that, you know, that's something I might do. But, yeah, I've done all sorts of jobs. You know, I bartended once. That was fun. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't do that again. But uh, but it was fun for the moment. Um but you know you you do all sorts of things to uh, get by. I was I was a um, I worked in a phone company for a little while doing um, training people on using phone systems and doing the you know and now cell phones have taken over. But you know like auto attendance and stuff when you call places and you you hear the voice. I'm on a lot of the Boston um, business <laughs> uh, when you call in. Still, it's my voice. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I got to check that out now. <laughs> if they only knew, right? Yeah. If they only knew. What made you go out to uh, to L.A.? And uh, how long have you been there? Yeah, so the tour with Alejandro ended and I came home when it was like, oh, it was right around February. It was my birthday and the tour just ended. And I had spent so much time in South America and Spain and places with great weather. And I came home to a snowstorm and I couldn't even have a birthday party with my friends that I hadn't seen in such a long time because the roads were closed for four days. And I was just sitting in my condo drinking a bottle of wine. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I want this anymore. This isn't doing it for me. I'm over it. Um, And I'm always cold. And I have, I have like my, my hands, my fingers get cold all the time. It's actually troublesome to play guitar in the winter. if like, it's really cold and I can't get warm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to LA. I've always wanted to, I've always had this poster of the LA skyline and you know, my living room. And I was looking at it and I was like, I'm going. And uh, so that was it. I packed, packed my things and uh, I drove across country and uh, that was in 2015. So I'm coming up on my, what, seventh year maybe here, which is great because people say, you know, once you get past five years, you can really do it. And it is hard. Everything's so much more expensive out here. It um, is. Yes. It's a different, it's just a different vibe, you know. So um, I'm really happy that I uh, am still here and uh, and I love it. I love it so much. So is, is music your, your full time thing right now? This is what you're doing? It is. I, the Rock Camp and uh, between Rock Camp and, and Vixen, I'm, I'm staying busy. Tell me about the gig with Vixen. How did that come about? How did you how did you line up landing that one? You know, I was playing um, in the Guns N' Roses tribute. And uh, and then we did one of those um, jam nights at the Lucky Strike here in Hollywood. Yes. And Vixen's manager saw me and uh, they had they, it wasn't really public. They were looking for a guitar player and um so that was it he told the girls about me and then i i went down uh to audition and and that was it wow wow and how's what's it been like how's it been you've been with them for a while now 
but I mean, is this something that you've wanted to do? Like, is this a, the kind of music you wanted to play? Is this the kind of band you wanted to have? Because, I mean, it's nice to have those gigs that just that just seem to fit. This seems to fit you, right? Yeah, I this love it. This seems to totally fit you. So that's why I'm asking about, I guess, just, just you know, being in the lion's den, being, being in... in I don't even know what. Yeah. <laughs> the Vixen Cave. I don't know, right? Like, fox Den. The Fox Den. The Fox Den. I, okay, that, there we go. Let's, let's go there. The Fox Den. Being in the Fox Den. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I always wanted to be an all-girl band. Like, I had an all-girl band for 10 years back in Boston. And, um, and I love working with women because there's not a lot of women in rock and roll and it's just so empowering and there's no drama and everybody's so supportive. And I just absolutely love it. And, you know, when I started playing, I was into, like I said, Van Halen and Metallica, but then I, you know, Pantera, but then I got into the more shreddy guitar players, which was like hair bands and stuff like that, because, you know, Nirvana and stuff at the time wasn't super inspiring. So that's, so I'm going back into, I'm, Poison, Def Leppard, and, you know, Motley Crue, and listening to those bands, and then, you know, and then I'm like, ooh, Lita Ford is a female, and then Vixen, oh my gosh, which reminded me of Gem, which I watched growing up, and I was like, whoa, they're real, this is awesome, um, That and so, so it's really been full circle, because I, you know, this is the style of music, I love, I love 80s music, it's fun, it, the lyrics are upbeat, nothing too heavy, nothing too serious, it's great live music to play, um, Riffs are cool, good guitar solos, so I absolutely love it. And um, yeah, and I'm really excited now that we're we're starting to make some new music. And uh, yeah, and and I get to play on shows with all my like Skid Row was one of my favorite bands ever, and it's like we do shows with them all the time now. So it's like you know, it's it's fun. Do you find it more difficult being a female in this industry? Um, you know. I still think it is male dominated for sure. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily more difficult. I feel like it's, um, been inspiring because, you know, when I first taking it back to high school and that guitar club, you know, the, there was all boys and they didn't really want me in there. Cause they're like, what is this girl doing in here? So it made me want to practice really hard, uh, so that I would be accepted and, you know, so, and then I became guitar club president two years later, <laughs> so, um, you know, so I think it just, it, it made me want to like work hard and, and prove that it doesn't have to be male dominated. You're running the rock and roll fantasy camp. And this last one you said was, was all females. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel to see, you know, more, you know, young women, going out there and and playing or learning about music or learning about guitars, learning about rock and roll, you know, how does that make you feel? And and where do you see the future of it with females? It's awesome. I think there's more and more females. And I mean, even during COVID, those stats from the guitar centers and stuff said that, you know, it was more than 50% of the people buying guitars were female. And those numbers were just going up astronomically since before COVID, you know? So I think um, also with technology and, you know, YouTube and everything that you can find online, there weren't so many tabs and tutorial videos when I started playing guitar at all. Um, so, and now you go on YouTube and you see like a two-year-old shredding eruption perfectly. And it's like, <laughs> what the heck? like, where does this even come from? But I think it's because everything is so accessible. And, um, 
And I think that's awesome. So I think the future is, is looking good. So, I mean, I hate all the electronic music and stuff like that. So I'm hoping, you know, since I have been seeing so many reels with kids rocking that, that the next generation is going to bring back some rock and roll. They say everything's cyclical anyways, but, um, but I'm optimistic about it. And I do have to say, it's funny because when we do the regular co-ed rock and roll fantasy camps, um, you know, there's generally, you know, just, just a handful of women and it's like a very, you know, maybe two three percent women or five percent max right? right and and i don't know why it's just make more men sign up for it i don't know but when we did the women's only you know it sold out and so all the the, wow. the women that had come to previous camps were like we thought there's only going to be like 10 of us here that it was going to be this tiny little camp because when we go we don't see that many women signing up so where did all these women come from and it made me think oh it's just because you know it's still, it's intimidating to think like you're going to have to go jam with all these guys and, you know, because it's, so there's still that stigma kind of out there somehow. And there's, there's no need for it because these women rocked. And I thought the all female bands at this camp were better than the, the bands that we see at the, the regular camp. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know, but it was awesome. It was a big success. We're planning another one in Nashville uh, next year. So that's um, so cool. That's yeah. So cool. What do you attribute? the new interest the or, or or the rise of the female guitar players or musicians what do you what do you attribute that to um good question you mean like how are new young women getting into it yes huh I, you know, I think there are just some new bands and I, oh, I think a lot of like pop stars and stuff are starting to hire female musicians and female bands and it's, right. it's getting out there. I think the Me Too movement probably helped with that too. Like, oh, we need to put women in the forefront and more so. And, um, so I think that was helpful. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're seeing a bunch of pop stars with like all female bands now, which is really cool. And so kids go out and see that and they're like, oh, I can do that. So let's go back to something else that you had kind of talked about. So you got, uh, you're interested in, in, in the business side of things as well. Mm -hmm. And you got a degree in that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Music business. Yeah. Where do you see this music business at and where is it headed? Mm. Well, I have been hearing lots of good news that, Spotify and some of these streaming services are going to kind of end and go, go to a new platform where um, artists will actually be paid. God, I hope so. And um, so I've heard that's happening. So I think that's a positive thing. I think, you know, the, the digital, everything being so accessible, like I said, can also, it's also hard because it's so oversaturated with stuff. Like I don't even know where to find new bands right now because I don't really listen to the radio so much and, you know, and, I don't do Spotify playlists. I get stuck in my own playlists and listen to the right. same stuff over and over again because it's easy. Yes. And it's like work to find new music and bands now. So, and I don't have a lot of spare time. So it's like, for me, I, I feel a little like lost sometimes. Like, what should I be listening to? Like, what's, what's cool right now? I don't even know. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of old stuff. Um, so... Yeah, but but you know the festivals and stuff. I think everybody really missed live music during COVID. So I think like you know all the festivals have been in great attendance and stuff. So that's pretty awesome. And you know we're like we're getting a lot of shows. I know a lot of bands are getting a lot of shows. The cruises are coming back. So uh, I think I think it's in good shape. I think you know hopefully there's just a, a becomes a better model for like the more the, the not so mainstream musicians that are you know the 
Taylor Swift's to, to also get paid, you know, fairly sure. and make sure. their own money. I, I feel like a lot of, a lot of revenue for bands comes from like merchandise and stuff like that. And right. you know, not so much albums, albums sales because of on, the online streaming, but I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom it's, line is I don't know, but um, I'm interested to find out where it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's same here. No, it's interesting because you do have a degree in, in music business, right? And with that said, I'm fascinated with it because several times on this show, we've talked about this very thing. You know, we're living in a world of instant gratification. Everything is right there for you. And does that lessen the value of music? Do you believe that that lessens the value of it? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm curious, just coming from, you know, uh, a music business mind, yeah, I mean, like, like yourself. Demand. When things are, you know, in high, you know, when things are scarce, the prices go up, right? Right, right. But, again, it's like nobody's paying for records anymore because everybody's streaming everything. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's a crazy time that we're living in for sure. But I think that there needs, uh, there needs a little... There needs to be an uh, an overhaul, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's good to hear that that you know what uh, what you're catching is that something something's moving in the right direction, and I hope that's the case. I'm going to take a short break from my conversation with the talented and lovely Brit Lightning to tell you about Partake Brewing. You know, about seven years ago, I decided to stop drinking alcohol. Now, before we go any further, I'm not here telling anybody what to do, what not to do, what to drink, what not to drink. This was a decision that I made on my own. However, I did have some friends that were trying to introduce me to some non-alcoholic beers. Bless their hearts, try as they might, they failed because, quite frankly, those beers didn't taste very good. But they did get me thinking about possibly finding something that would satisfy my palate. Well, introduce Partake. I was blown away. This beer was outstanding. So many varieties and all of them delicious. It got me thinking of days gone by when I was drinking, wishing that I had Partake because it was that good. It's that beer goodness without the guilt. Without the inebriation, without the hangovers, just a great beer. In fact, all my beer-loving buddies, those aficionados, thought that it tasted amazing as well. And for those of you that are a little bit more health-conscious, maybe watching your figure, Partake has minimal calories and minimal carbohydrates. Check it out for yourself. As a matter of fact, the CEO and founder of Partake, Ted Fleming, over a decade ago, he had to give up alcohol because of a medical condition, but he missed his beer, and that's why he created something so amazing. So I urge you all, if you guys have wanted to check out some great non-alcoholic beers that, with just a ton of variety, go check out Partake. You can find them at www.drinkpartake.com. That is www.drinkpartake.com. My favorite is the pale. You tell me what your favorite is, but give them a try and let them know that your buddy KV sent you. What did you do during the pandemic? 
during the pandemic, I ended up do I was very busy. <laughs> I, uh, You're did always all- busy. <laughs> I, did, um, I, I started off thinking I was going to make a surf album. Um, what? Surf rock. That's what I really want to do when I have the time. I'm, I'm excited to, to, to do work a surf album. rock record. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Okay. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. Um, so I want to do that. But so I started to do that, and then um, didn't get too far. And then uh, you know, was talking to David, the owner of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and we decided to launch this online series over Zoom of of master classes with artists. So um, you know, we I did over 160 online master classes with people like Roger Daltrey from the Who and Alice Cooper, oh, wow. and we got managers too, like Shep Gordon. We had Jason oh, the Records. So it was really interesting. So we would run these classes and sometimes I would do four of these classes in a day. And, um, and basically it was just, you know, talking to, talking to these artists and the talent and um, we would have people come on and ask questions. It was almost like hanging out in the green room with them, but it was so much more than like, hi, how are you? Because we talked for over an hour and, you know, I, I had Alice Cooper on there and we're, oh, we're at two hours. It was supposed to be an hour each class. And he's like, don't worry about it. I have nowhere to be. I could stay here. I was like, nobody had anywhere to go. Right, so right. It, was a, it was a cool time. And uh, it was interesting talking to people at that time too, because the future was so uncertain. We didn't know. I mean, I remember Roger saying like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get on stage again. Maybe this is it for big <sighs> concerts and performances. You know, so it's a really interesting, authentic uh, experience talking to them at that time because nobody was out promoting a tour or a record. It was just like real talk. It was cool. Right. And lucky us, things are kind of kind of getting back to normal. You're getting back yeah. out on the road. I'm getting back out on the road. And that's just a that's a wonderful thing. And I mean, well, you've been you've been out lately. Uh, tell me about that. What's it? What, what are the crowds like? How do you feel that uh, uh you know the music goers are, are are doing these days. Like, is it is it back in full force? Is it still kind of wait? I think see? so. Yeah, we're doing the meet and greets again and stuff like that. So I remember doing playing during the pandemic and having like a plexiglass between us and the you know right <laughs> online and it was that was wacky. So it's good to just feel not so concerned anymore. That's good. That's good. So for those that may not know. Tell us about the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. What is it? What, what does it do? Yeah, so it's been around for about 25 years, and it's basically a four-day experience where you join a band. We, I, I assign the bands. I put you in a band to, according to your skill level and experience, and um, and then you jam with this band uh, for four days. And over the four days, you have a rock star counselor. I'm also one of the rock star mentors. Um, and uh, so you get a counselor for each band, and they help you – to uh, become a band, work together, sound good, coach you, um, and then you get to jam uh, songs with your favorite artists who are headlining. So, for example, we had, um, uh, okay, one of the ones we just had was Joe Perry from Aerosmith, right? So you you get to to jam, your band jams a song with Joe Perry, um, jams an Aerosmith tune, uh, jam with Tico Torres, you guys play a Bon Jovi song, and then we had Vernon Reed, so jam with Vernon Reed. Um, and in addition to playing with your heroes, we have jam rooms um, where you can play with all the other counselors. Um, so that's like, it's so cool, you know, because we'll have like, uh, you know, Rudy Sarzo or something or Vinnie Apsey, you know, playing Black Sabbath songs with them right, or right. You know, 
people that recorded on the records and stuff. So uh, there's that. We have master classes. We have Q&A sessions with all the artists. Um, and then you have two live performances. It's a um, when we do them in L.A., for example, you perform live at the Whiskey and at the Viper Room. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, it's, it's interesting people that come. They're not musicians. Usually the majority are not musicians professionally. It's a hobby. They kind of always wish they had done it, but maybe they're a nurse or they're, you know, something else. A lawyer. We had a lot of lawyers at the last camp for some reason. together, And, you know, and so they really like just get so excited. And you, you see the it's like when you were in your first garage band, that like excitement, you like see that all over again. Right. Uh, and adults, it's all ages, but it's mostly adults, you know? Um, and it's just, it's so cool. Like, like, you know, some of the artists say, it just makes you remember where you came from and like, Oh yeah, I'm so lucky to do this, you know, for my living. Cause these people, they wish they did this for a living. They get to do it for this one weekend and feel like a rock star and it's really special, but we get to do this all the time. So we should be really grateful. So it's fun in that aspect. And then also you do see growth like within people. Cause some, some of these people have never been on stage before. They've never played outside their bedrooms. And it's like, now they're out rocking the whiskey a go-go. This guy came out, he had a cape, he had the whole outfit. He had never played on stage before and he just crushed it. Um, he would never know. He'd never been on stage before. So you see a lot of like growth in, you know, personally, like with confidence and things like that too. Um, in addition to musically. So it's, uh, it's fun and it's rewarding. It's awesome. You sound so passionate about it. It's yeah, so am. passionate. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, and to think that's kind of like my day job, you know, as opposed to doing the mixing gig. So it's like, it's sure. a pretty good deal. It's uh yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. You have some fun gigs for sure. Yeah. It's inspiring. When you're not playing music, when you're not out touring, what do you like to do? What kind of hobbies do you have? Um, I love to go hiking. Uh, I love to paint. Um, I love to go to the ocean. Um, I'm really big into just being outside and being kind of like athletic and, and doing things like that, working out, but more so outside. And, um, let's see, what else do I do? Um, yeah, painting is a big one and, um, you know, trying to make time to write more songs and, and do that, of course. Um, cooking, I like to cook. Um, I love going to classic car shows. I love classic cars. Wow. Um, I like, uh, like target shooting. Um, trying to think what else I do. I guess that's, I think I covered most of it. Um, and I like to read, but boy, I've been on the same book. I think since COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. And well, I mean, for those that do not follow you, on social media. Let me tell you guys something. Your social media is so fun because it does show you out and about and going here and going there and going to all these amazing places. It just seems like your life is, it's just this one big, like it's an adventure kind of makes you feel like, Oh man, this is, this is so cool that somebody's actually going and doing this and, and inspiring. It's like, man, I want to go out and do that. You know? Oh, thanks for saying that. Well, it, my life is really happy and I'm very grateful. And I try, I try to remember that every day that like, I'm very thankful for, to be able to do what I love because that's, uh, I've been in jobs and 
where I, I did not enjoy it. And I was like, I don't know how I could live like this. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to answer to yourself and uh, you have to be happy and no, nothing, no money, no person, no, nothing is going to make you truly happy unless you are happy inside. So uh, it's, I think that's above all else uh, should be a priority. I agree with you. In a million years, did you ever see yourself doing this? I mean, I had kind of this weird tunnel vision that that's all I could see myself doing. That that's the only thing, you know, at 15, I was like, that's the only thing that's going to make me happy. That's all I want to do, you know? Um, So, but I don't know if I ever really thought it was possible, but I was just, I saw no other alternative. That's great. That's great. (laughs) And as far as, as new music if you were to do a solo project, would it be just a surf record or? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think any of the fans would like it. They'd be like, what the hell is this? Uh, why are you giving us this? Well, but why, I, well, why a surf record? Yeah. Why a surf record? That's interesting. That I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that. Kind of like ever. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like stoner rock surf, a lot of like effects pedals and just like fun. Like, that you would hear like in the background of a movie kind of sure that's 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 kind of that's i enjoy that stuff i don't know why but um but well i do know why i mean i really like tiki i have like a so i go to like this tiki festival every year and stuff like that i'm really into tiki culture and you know um which is weird but it involves surf music and Mai Tais and fun things like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And uh, retro art and stuff. So, yeah. Yet another reason why you get out to California, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't really get that in Boston very much. No, not so much. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Your voice is so great, by the way. It's like you have the perfect voice for this. Oh, it's called a ton of cigarettes and Jack Daniels for many, many years. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. So all that I'm, you know, left with is is this. So, <laughs> so whether I, whether I'm singing or talking, that's what happened. So yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I appreciate that though. That's really sweet. What's your favorite part about being in a band or being, you know, on stage or 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 just a part of this lifestyle? Um. Well. First of all, I love playing music. I love meeting new people. I love connecting with, you know, playing on stage, the energy you give off stage, you give and you get energy, you know, from the audience and and then you give it to them. And it's like this awesome energy exchange. And then the energy between the girls on stage and the camaraderie. And it's, um, you know, you really feel like you're in a kind of like a special little gang and you guys all work hard together individually to make this big sound and you're creating something and it's, it's giving, it's a positive thing. You're giving people a good time and, um, everybody's having fun. And, um, so I love all those aspects and I love to travel too. I love being in new cities and trying new foods and, you know, going to the local record stores and guitar shops in every city that I travel to and yeah, just meeting new people. And I just feel like it's a great way to fully experience everything in life. I like that. I like that answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. 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 Who are you listening to these days? Oh boy. I hate this question because I'm never listening to anything new and fresh. Um, (laughs) Which is, which is just fine. You know, Oh, you know who I just discovered, though? Um, Robert Randolph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't really 
know, know his stuff before. He's really good. I was listening to him yesterday. Um, but, you know, I always listen to, like, Derek Trucks. And I like John Mayer, and I like his new stuff, too. Um, I'm trying to think of kind of current people. But, you know, you know, I still just listen to, like, Jimi Hendrix and Tom Petty. And, right. uh, <laughs> so, you're, so you're into, like, a lot of the classic rock type yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of '60s and '70s stuff. You know, I Ooh, love the Eagles. Got any favorites? Yeah, I I was gonna ask you about that because I always see you sporting the Eagles shirts. Yeah, I love the Eagles. Yeah, I think you know some of the top ones: Eagles, Tom Petty. Uh, you know, I still love Van Halen and all that stuff too. But um, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of blues. Um, a lot of you know, like old blues and i listen to a lot of jazz i mean when i'm working i i can't really listen to fun stuff with a lot of lyrics so i listen to a lot of like coltrane and and stuff like that um yeah uh, i listen to a lot of 1940s music like glenn miller orchestra and stuff i like all that stuff i i um yeah i listen to like french french music i i don't know i'm kind of all over the place you are all over the place, and that kind of well, in a good way, because that kind of comes through, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I that kind of answers the question I'm about to ask you: Where did you find your versatility as a guitar player? Because I mean, you're going from Lady Gaga to Alejandro Sanz to you know to Vixen, and you know here, there, and everywhere. So, how did you become so versatile? I think. Um you know, I always, I always liked Sinatra and like Louis Armstrong because my grandfather would pick me up from school and that would be in his car, you know? So I always had, I always still listen to that kind of stuff, which kind of led me into more jazzy stuff. Um, you know, uh, like Etta James and Nina Simone and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I love all that. Um, but then, of course, I had the rock and roll because I liked playing guitar. And so I wanted to learn the stuff with the cool guitar solo. So really got into the 80s stuff there. Um, but I think just from traveling to I think that really helps you. Like if you go to Brazil, like going out, like I try to see local music if I go to different countries and stuff like that to get a vibe for, you know, different sounds and stuff. And the Alejandro thing, it was it's so interesting because, you know, they do a lot of like clapping and stuff. And that's like you grow up learning how to like clap along like flamenco style and stuff. Yes. And that's not anything like I would have known about, like I didn't do anything musical like that with my family. So it's interesting to see like how different backgrounds um, affect, you know, the music of where you grow up. Um, but yeah. And then I, you know, my tiki fascination got me interested in like the <laughs> adventures. And so that, that's where that kind of came from. And adventures. Uh, man, the surf thing is killing me. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, but uh, and then of course I just love good classic rock, Fleetwood Mac, all that kind of stuff. I just love, uh, you know, the classics. Um, so I mean, it's yeah. classic for a reason, right? It is. I you never get sick of it. I'll no. never get sick of hearing "Take It Easy." I don't know how many times I've heard it, but I still don't change it when it comes on. <laughs> right, right. I mean, so you you love the Eagles? Well, I love Joe Walsh. Uh, I love Glenn. Um, you know, but, but it's just everybody's so talented. Don's solo stuff is great. Joe's right. solo stuff is great. Yeah, everybody is just, it's like a, just such a power group. Yeah, so. and it really was. I mean, when you, when you think about it, everybody kind of had their own thing, which was phenomenal. And then together, it's like the sum of all parts just create this, this, you know, just juggernaut, if you will. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah. All, all <laughs> yeah. All right. 
What's the best gig you have ever done? What's your favorite, you know, the best show that you've ever played? Hmm. Good question. Um, well, I like so many of them. I'm, I'm having fun on every show I've ever played. So, uh, but oh, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, I, I the think poli- like, politician answer now. Go okay. on, let's go with it. Okay. I think one of the most memorable shows was the very first show we played with Alejandro because I was so nervous and we changed the set list to do the old tour set list for just this one gig that came in. And I didn't know any of those songs. So we had to like learn a whole new set like really fast. And I was just so freaked out. Um, and we got to the gig and it's this beautiful castle in I think it was in Barcelona um, and it was overlooking the ocean. And like, you could see the ocean on the other side of the cliff from the stage. And, and it was just this beautiful outdoor amphitheater. And, uh, and even though I was so worried and so nervous, I, the gig was over like that. And I don't even remember thinking during it. It was one of those like kind of out of body experiences because it just all came together. You know, everything you were worried about, I just, with all the beauty and everything and just being there, just, I forgot it all and just was in it. It was kind of just like being in the zone. I like and that. So that's always been really memorable. And now with that said, the worst gig you've ever played. Ah, uh, I think I blocked it from my memory. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've had them. Um, oh man. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, one of them was when my, I was wearing these like cool strappy shoes and the strap broke and then I had to kick the shoe off and then I had one shoe on and one shoe off for a while. That wasn't fun. Um, (laughs) or just those ones where everything goes wrong. Your shoe breaks, the strap breaks, strap locks fall off somehow. Uh, the string breaks, this, you know, Oh, I remember going out, we were playing again, Barcelona, we were doing a festival. It wasn't the worst gig ever. I, I loved the gig, but I had a new wireless, went out down the catwalk to do a guitar solo and just like struck the pose and went to go, go for it. And just silence. Oh, wow. Wireless like didn't reach there. And I was like, well, I feel stupid. Just walked back. Um, You know, I went went out there just to pose. I'm sure it was just fine and people (laughs) loved it anyway, but it's, it's definitely those spinal tap moments that, uh, you know, that always, always get me, especially with everybody that I'm talking to, you know, those are those moments because we've all had them. Oh, we yeah. have all had them. And I guess one of the things I like doing with this show is just kind of showing that, yeah, it, for whatever it is that people love about the shows and, you know, there's there's that other side and there's a very real side where things can go wrong. Things do go wrong. Oh, Some things are just hilarious. The oh, art yeah. is to make it so that nobody else realizes that everything's yes. But something goes wrong every show, for sure. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Oh, my gosh. If you were to give advice to young women now, young women that are just starting out in rock and roll or any kind of music, what would it be? Um, To young women, I would say just keep doing what you're doing. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it or make you feel inferior or less capable. Uh, don't compare yourself to anybody else because there's nobody like you. And so it doesn't matter how great somebody else is. Nobody plays like you. Nobody is you. Nobody expresses themselves like you do. Um, and, 
and that, yeah, we're all unique and try to, you know, put the ego aside and just really be in it. And if you love it, you have to do it. So stick with it. And, um, you will be happy if you follow your heart. I like it. All right. So now we're getting towards the end of the show here. I do this little thing where I just, I just throw out questions and this is top of your head, right? Okay. Not, not too much thinking involved. It's just go, go, go. All right. Okay. And for you, for you, Miss Tiki, surf guitar <laughs> goddess, you. <laughs> Top three guitar players. Eddie Van Halen, David Gilmore, and uh, Jimi Hendrix. I like it. If you could tour with anybody alive, who would it be? Mm, Joe Walsh. If you could tour with anybody that's passed on, who would it be? Uh, Eddie Van Halen. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. Dream band. Like if somebody just asked you, Britt, we need a guitar player. Who would it be? Who's that dream band of yours? Alive or dead. What's that? Alive oh. or dead. It doesn't matter. Either, either one. Let's go um, both. Let's do both. Let's do both. Alive and dead. Okay. I think it'd be cool to jam with Jimi Hendrix um, maybe with, oh, who would I put on drums? Oh, this is hard. Um, maybe Neil Pert on drums. Uh, let's see, on bass, maybe, I don't know, Billy Sheehan's pretty amazing. He's yeah, he is. One of our rock camps. Um, singer, uh, this is hard. There's too many, and I'm not thinking, okay, I'm a lightning round, right? <laughs> lightning round. The Brit uh, Lightning Round. I like that. Hey, see what I did there? Lightning Round. Uh, singer, singer, let's see. Um, oh, we'll, we'll put Glenn Fry on vocals then. Uh, wow, okay. Okay. <laughs> Somehow Neil Pearton and Glenn Fry just kind of like, just made my head spin a little bit. That, right on. This is your band, so it's it's totally cool. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Top three Desert Island Records. Um, okay, maybe, um, one of these nights, the Eagles, um, Damn the Torpedoes, uh, Tom Petty, and Van Halen one. Very cool. Very cool. All right. This is the last one here. There's one song you wish you wrote. What would it be? Mm, Hotel California. Wow. Okay. Very good. Very good. Man, it's been too long, and I'm just so happy to see you and just your smiling face. And, you know, you, you it's nice. You guys can't see it. I can see it. I'm the lucky one. So it's like, you know, just the passion and the smile. She hasn't stopped smiling this entire interview. So this, is a, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Makes me feel good inside, all warm and fuzzy-like. Anyhow, Britt, you're amazing, and I just wish you all of the best, your successes, and just... I'm, I, I love you. I love you as a guitar player. I love you as a person. You're just a, you're just one of the good ones out there. So thank well, you thank so you. Likewise. Uh, and good ah, luck with shucks. the tour. And I hope to see you on the road. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We got to do that at some point. I'm, I'm hoping that we can. I'm yeah. hoping it'd be good to see you again. But yeah, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, there you go, everybody. Thank you so much, Britt. Okay. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. And that would be all she wrote. 
<laughs> I want to thank my special guest this week, the lovely, the talented, the tiki goddess, the surf guitar queen. <laughs> Can you believe that? The whole surf thing, that's unreal to me. I love it. The badass guitarist extraordinaire, Brit Lightning of Vixen. Man, I, I think the world of her, I really do. And uh, I urge you guys to go catch Vixen on the road when they come to a town near you. The band is sounding great. And uh, really, just marvel at Brit's skills. She's incredible. Also, go find her on social media because, yeah, it feels like you're right there. You're tagging along with her on her adventures. It's, it's good stuff. Speaking of having an adventure, www.kenvaldez.com. It is. It's, it's an adventure, I tell you. If you want to learn more about this show, go there. I have tour dates up right now. Also, I have links to my social media. I love hearing from you guys, so I'll get back in touch with you. Just go uh, go hit those uh, links and go follow and go like and go do all that stuff. But hit me up, man. I love hearing from y'all. Also, you get to find out more about my music. i got a lot going on, my friends. Also, if you like this show, let me tell you something. If you like this show and you want to show some support, show a little love, Go visit me at Venmo. My Venmo handle is at Ken Valdez. And I will tell you right now, a little love goes a long way. This show, man, takes a lot of effort, time, energy, and money to have guests like Britt Lightning of Vixen come on here for you. So, there you go. If you want to help out, that's the way to do it. Well, that's about it, my friends. Until next time, be good to each other. Take care of one another. Bye-bye. Oh,